Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. And time for another episode of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We got most of the guys. Uh, we're Johnless today, but uh, Roger and Neil, how are you guys doing? Very good. Thanks, Bob. Doing great, Bob. How are you? Well, doing very well, thank you. So, uh, we're coming up on election. The election is Tuesday, the midterm elections. Uh, this is a pretty crucial election, obviously, in a lot of different areas. And so I thought what we would do uh, this week, we're just going to talk about many different aspects of this election. And and so to kind of get this started, let's see where we stand in our each respective states, and then we'll get to uh, some larger discussions of the election as a whole. And maybe, Roger, we could start with you out there in the People's Republic of California. Uh, what's it looking like out there? And I believe your proposal one is the equivalency of our proposal three in Michigan, basically uh, making abortion legal through all nine months of pregnancy and, uh, and eliminating essentially all restrictions on abortion. That's what we're on the verge of passing here in Michigan. But what's happening out there in California? Is Gavin Newsom up? What's happening? Well, Gavin Newsom is up for re-election, and he looks like he's going to cruise through. Uh, Brian Dolly is a conservative Christian guy who's currently in the state assembly. He's putting up a formidable fight, but something tells me that uh, it's going to be one of those two-to-one ratios, which is the yeah. way the uh, Democrats are registered versus Republicans. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of independent push to get Gavin Newsom out of office. Now, one thing that is very interesting in development, though, is it's kind of twofold. You were mentioned Proposition 1. When mm. Proposition 1 campaign started really basically in the summer, um, the overwhelming support, 66% in favor, 34% against. Recent polls show that that's down to 59%, and it may be a race against the clock, but I don't think it's going to be the you know trip to the woodshed that Democrats thought it would be, simply because the Rasmussen poll that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where uh, it turns out that 33% of Democrats are actually pro-life, and 70% of California Democrats don't want Proposition 1. They don't want third trimester abortions. They don't want abortion all the way up through labor and delivery. They, they can actually read the bill and see the difference between contraception and abortion, abortifacients, things of that nature. So it, it may be too little too late, but we're hopeful and prayerful. Um, also, uh, one of the, uh, the congressional races, it's very interesting, because California lost a congressional seat in the House because so many people left the People's Republic to go to Texas and Florida and other places like that. All the districts have been redrawn, so instead of 53, we have 52. And that has put a, a Democrat in some hot water. We had actually had an AOC sighting in the People's Republic of California mm. last weekend. Katie Porter is one who won in the uh, 45th district, which was right smack dab in the middle of Orange County. Good and conservative Republican, but the Democrats used some effective ballot harvesting tactics to get her elected. She's a professor at UC Irvine. And she's gotten some good marks from both sides of the aisle in her uh, debating, you know, congressional hearings, things of that nature. But she came out very passionately pro-abortion. We, this is the number one issue, et cetera, et cetera. A guy named Scott Baugh, conservative uh, from the same area, is now running against her. She's not in District 45 anymore. She's in District 47, and she's starting to sweat bullets. I mean, part of the reason why AOC was in town was to campaign for her. And Republicans jumped on that and said, wait, if you are that desperate, I mean, you're you brought Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez all the way from New York to say we have to reelect Katie Porter. There's a very strong possibility that Scott Bodd knocks her off, and I'm very encouraged by that. There are about a half dozen congressional seats, Maxine Waters, of course, Nancy Pelosi, things like that, that, that don't really have a prayer. There's always a Hail Mary to try to knock them out of their districts. But this is one case where the conservative foothold may actually uh, take root hmm. once again, which would be a very, very encouraging thing to see. Now, what about uh, – I, I'm kind of curious across the board in uh, in California, though. We're talking about the potential of a red wave across the rest of the country. Uh, I mean, are you saying that it's possible that California could partially participate in this red wave? There's no way that California is going to go from deep blue to even purple, you know, let alone red. But, uh, you know, might there be some movement that maybe it's just not as deep blue as it's always been? 
yeah, I think you'll see a couple of seats flip. And a lot of that, of course, has to deal with the, the demographic makeup of the electorate. You've got 48% registered Democrat, 24% registered Republican, 24% registered Independent. And if the independents get sick of what they're seeing in their districts, then you'll see things move. People forget there's 58 counties in California. I mean, it's a relatively small number of counties compared mm-hmm. to other places like Kentucky that have 200 Georgia is 180. For a really small population, California has more people than anybody else, but fewer counties. As a result, not every county in California is is passionately blue. It really kind of breaks down to more of a 31 to 27, 33 to 25 type of breakdown. The difference, though, is the counties that are blue are L.A. County, San Francisco County. That's even San Diego's kind of moving in that direction. Whereas the smaller ones, you know, that, that Placer County has like 900,000 people in it. Those are pretty, you know, dyed in the wool red. So if you could get some moderates and some independents who uh, are tired of Adam Schiff, they're tired of uh, Eric Swalwell, you know, they're uh, things that are happening. They're up for reelection as well. And one of those guys could fall. So maybe let's call it a red splash as opposed to a red wave in the people of <laughs> California. Hey, Any progress is good progress, we think, in that regard. Can I ask a question about the um, abortion ballot measure you're talking about? That's that's a non-binding ballot measure. What's, what would be the outcome, depending on how that vote goes? Co- constitutional amendment. It would right. enshrine oh. abortion laws into the California state constitution. Oh, okay. And, wow. And the way the propositions are voted on in California, the numbers have nothing to do with the importance. They all have everything to do with just the rotation. So, like, the first proposition that's up on the ballot is Prop 26 this time because we ended with Prop 25 last time. Uh, Newsom was able to do a little bit of jerry-rigging to make sure that this became Proposition 1 and that it, you know, they've been running on the women are going to lose their health care, women are going to lose access to health care, you're, you're going to lose your constitutional rights, your foundational, fundamental freedoms. We've all heard all the rhetoric all over the place. Basically, what he's trying to do is enshrine abortion as part of contraception into the California state constitution, saying women will not be denied access to it, and the whole privacy issue with regard to what you can and can't say. So understand this. If Prop 1 passes in California, it will be illegal to prevent a woman from getting an abortion. It will also be illegal for a doctor to tell a patient about a treatment for COVID that's not approved by the CDC. How do you def- how do you define prevent? Would that shut down pregnancy care centers and ministries? Potentially, yes. And yeah. and part of the reason why is because they California leads the league in red tape. If you want licensing uh, snafus and and barbed wire and things like that this is the place to come to open a business that'll cost you one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year just to open up with all the forms and tests and, and certifications you need to get it's virtually impossible for a pregnancy health center to get any kind of state licensing because they don't perform abortions i mean that's the simply put there was actually a measure that was passed and then uh thrown out in court about five years ago that made it a requirement of pregnancy health centers to post where you could get a an abortion in California, but abortion clinics didn't have to post anything about adoption. Right. And the end around was the abortion clinics were quote unquote uh, legalized by this. I mean, they were licensed by the state, and the pregnancy health centers aren't. And uh, the state will never license them because they don't meet all the criteria that they keep inventing every time you add more of the criteria. I mean, Neil, you and I both know the number of qualified mm-hmm. medical professionals who work at pregnancy resource centers uh, far outstrips the number who work at a Planned Parenthood clinic. Right. But the clinic has that stamp and the healthcare center does not, which is why like our preborn connection is so valuable because a lot of people don't know how much medical information and technology is available to them at a pregnancy health or resource center. You know, I'll tell you what, that, that is so true. And I just, I do want to remind everybody, okay, when you hear us talking about preborn, uh, you have a chance, folks, those of you listening to us right now, you have a chance to actually stop some abortions. That's right, to save some babies' lives. Because preborn partners with pro-life pregnancy centers all across America. And what they do is show ultrasound images to these moms that are pregnant. And when a woman sees an ultrasound image of her baby, you know that's the very first time she's ever seen a picture of her baby. And statistically, the woman chooses life 83% of the time. 83%. You got to remember, preborn is the number one competitor to planned parenthood. And this is the kind of work preborn is doing. In the first six months of this year, do you know they saved the lives of 25,823 babies? Along the way, 4,625 first time decisions for Jesus Christ. So here's what it comes down to, everybody it takes $28 
to stop one abortion. That's the average cost. $28 saves one baby's life. That's why I'm asking everybody listening to us right now, will you give $280 and stop 10 abortions? 280 bucks, 10 abortions. Now, if you could do 2,800 and stop 100 abortions, that would be fantastic. It's all a tax write-off for you too. But here's what you do. Go right now online to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net. Click on the preborn tab and you can give right there at the website. And 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead, okay? If you want to give over the phone, you can do that right now by calling 833-850-BABY. They answer the phones 24-7. So they're ready for your call right now, 833-850-BABY. Just mention the National Crawford Roundtable if you would. Uh, Let's stop some of these abortions. Let's save some babies' lives, everybody. As we continue the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, we don't have John this week, but we have uh, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco, talking about all things election, which is coming up, of course, Tuesday, November 8th. And uh, so, Neil, kind of give us a picture of what's happening there in New York. What are some of the close ones to watch for? And by the way, I've seen some polling here that has Lee Zeldin neck and neck with Kathy Hochul. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. In fact, there's a couple of polls that had him actually outpacing her at this point. I, I doubt that there's much certainty about any of that. I mean, the bottom line is he was 20-something points behind in July polling and began climbing the ladder. But I think that the bottom line is she's continued to harp on the issue of abortion and, uh, and his association with Donald Trump, and it isn't working. Uh, he's, he's primarily talking about crime in New York State, which is a major issue. I mean, you got people being pushed off subway platforms here in New York State and bail reform and other issues that are really causing people to live in fear. In fact, there's been an exodus of people from New York State to red states all over the country saying, we want out. This is a crazy place to live and we don't want to be a part of it anymore. So there's an awful lot of people looking at the issue of crime and definitely the economy. And and I think there's been kind of a, a huge yawn on the issue of abortion. Not that it's not important, but I think people realize, in fact, I saw an, an article this morning that said since Roe, you know, the overturn of Roe with the uh, Dobbs decision by the U.S. Supreme Court, that abortions are down 6% across the country. I mean, that's not a lot. And I think pro-lifers should be concerned about that number. But on the other hand, what it says to people in the mushy middle, the ones who aren't necessarily like rabid pro-aborts, um, and they don't want to see things like third trimester abortions, they're saying, hey, women still have access to abortion in this country. Individual states can decide that. And if a woman wants an abortion, she can go find a state that will give her one. So it isn't my primary concern. But the fact that I can't you know, pay my bills this month or put gas in my car is of huge concern. And definitely mm-hmm. things like the crime issue are really striking to the hearts of people in New York. So yeah, Lee Zeldin is knocking at the door of Kathy Hochul, who uh, was never elected to office. She took over right. as lieutenant governor when Andrew Cuomo stepped aside. So whether or not she can win remains to be seen. Then there's other things too. I mean, um, the COVID issue. I mean, that people haven't forgotten. She only surrendered her emergency powers uh, a couple of months ago, like two months ago. I mean, holding on as long as they possibly could and pushing things like mask mandates and vaccine mandates and whatever. And, you know, people are now seeing the ramifications of that, not only on the businesses that closed or whatever they lost in the businesses they used to own, but in school children that are lagging behind and are suffering socially because of what happened to them for two straight years. And who did that? You know, the Democratic Party and our governors here in New York, Cuomo and Hochul. So I think there's an awful lot of people saying we want to see some change and Lee Zeldin represents change. So it's possible he could upset her. I guess you'd call it an upset if he beats her on Election Day. Boy, would that be incredible for a Republican to, yeah. uh, to, to to flip the governor's seat in in New York? My goodness. Yeah, George uh, Pataki did it 20-some-odd years ago. But, uh, yeah, he's a, kind of a rhino, too. Exactly. But, yeah, this would be unbelievable because Zeldin is a conservative Republican. I know. To see what happens. I know that would be that would be remarkable because it doesn't it doesn't do a lot for me if a if a state flips red if the if the Republican is somebody like a, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say <laughs> yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger in California. Yep. Well <laughs> you know, said, it's like Roger. okay, who yeah. cares? You know, but uh, now Neil, what about are, are there any other? Obviously, there's a lot of other 
races in New York, but is there anything that's really on a lot of people's radar screens besides the Hokel Zeldin race? Um, two things I want to mention. I don't, I don't know that it's really on people's radar screens, but one thing would be interesting to watch. If Zeldin is elected governor, the question is what happens to the Democratic supermajority in New York State? If enough seats could be flipped in the New York State Assembly and the New York State Senate, uh, enough so to take away the supermajority, that would limit um, I mean, it would obviously give him strength if he wanted to veto anything coming out of the Liberal Assembly and Senate. Um, there's more Republicans in the Senate than there are in the Assembly. Um, but the bottom line is the Democrats hold a supermajority. So uh, he could veto some of the legislation coming out and they'll override it, which um, obviously is something to be concerned about. So down ballot races really matter. And I don't really know that people are focused on that because of all the excitement about the possibility of Zeldin upsetting Hochul. The other uh, race is uh, New York State Attorney General Letitia James, who's been mm. an advocate for liberal values. I mean, progressive liberal values. She hates Donald Trump. She sued him about 65,000 times. Oh, she's it's, Captain Ahab. I mean, he, oh, yeah. he, he, is, he is her <laughs> whale. Yeah, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, so... Obviously, that's a race to watch, and she's not doing well, and she actually was invited, uh, as all of the uh, candidates were, to participate in a debate prior to the election, and she said no. Uh, Michael Henry is running as the Republican candidate, and she refused to debate him publicly, although, you know, like Chuck Schumer is running for re-election to the U.S. Senate uh, as uh, in New York here, and he debated his opponent, uh, Joe Pinion. Uh, Hochul and Zeldin, you mentioned that debate last week on the roundtable, but yeah, Letitia James wants no part of it, and that raises some interesting questions, like what is she afraid of? What? And by the way, she is the one who's ushered in all of the problems associated with crime in New York State, you know, the bail reform measures and so forth. So uh, where we're at crime-wise in New York State has everything to do with uh, New York State's number one, uh, you know, member of law enforcement in the legal community. And um it's, it's just been ugly to watch, but it'd be really interesting if she gets bounced by a relative unknown. I don't think anybody really knows who Michael Henry is, but they sure know who Letitia James is, and I wouldn't be surprised right. if New Yorkers want her out. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. And there's a lot more to unpack as we talk on this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We're going to be addressing some of the stuff going on here in the state of Michigan as well. In the meantime, uh, I do want to remind everybody, we continue to ask you to give to Preborn to stop these abortions. Because remember, just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, don't think that that means that abortions are done. The, the, the pro-abortion industry is on fire right now trying to get as many abortions done as possible. But you can stop some of these abortions by giving some money, all right? $280 is the cost of stopping 10 abortions through preborn because of preborn's partnering with pro-life centers showing ultrasound images to moms. And remember, preborn is the number one uh, competitor to Planned Parenthood. And so what do you say, everybody in the audience, we've had a lot of you that have given money already to stop these abortions. We appreciate that. But if you're sitting on the sidelines, you haven't done it yet, well, maybe today's the day to go ahead and do that. It's this simple. Just go online to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net. Click on the preborn tab. And right there, you can choose how many babies' lives you'd like to save. Is it 10 babies for $280? Is it 100 babies for $2,800. Whatever the amount is, we need you to do that now, crawfordmediagroup.net, or you can give them a call at 833-850-BABY because they answer the phones 24 hours a day, seven days a week. All right, so 833-850-BABY. Just mention the National Crawford Roundtable when you do call. We're talking about all things uh, election, of course, coming up on Tuesday, which... Roger, let me ask you, uh, out there in California, kind of curious how the crime issue is playing out there. We know in New York, the Democrats are getting hurt by the issue of crime. And I just wonder how that's resonating out in California. You look at, of course, California is a sanctuary state. You look at what happened with Paul Pelosi, which all of us, I'm sure I told my audience, and I know you guys probably told your audience, we need to be praying for the Pelosi family and Paul Pelosi's recovery, of course. We would never support uh, attacks like that. But it does make you wonder. I mean, this is indicative of the kind of crime problems that we continue to have 
uh, in this country, and it's from Democrats' soft on crime policies. Uh, not to mention the fact the guy who attacked Paul Pelosi happens to be an illegal immigrant. And can I just say for the record, uh, no, he's not representative of quote unquote MAGA Republicans. This guy is a nutcase who was all over the board politically. The van that he was living in is littered with uh, stickers and, and, and posters of Black Lives Matter, rainbow flags. Uh, this guy's got a lot of left-wing ideology. His neighbors saw him as pretty much a left-wing guy, uh, but he also had some right-wing stuff too. So he's kind of all over the place, mentally unhinged, I suppose. But uh, I'm just kind of curious with this happening and all the other crime issues, is this on people's radar screens, Roger, out there in California? And might this be hurting the Democrats? Yeah, it is. And, and part of the reason, I think, if you were looking for one case that would actually kind of summarizes everything that's going to potentially hurt Democrats at the polls, it's the case of uh, L.A. County District Attorney George Gascon. I mean, the, yeah. the, the guy, he's got that Trump kind of connection in the reverse. He was a Republican, ran as a Democrat. He, uh, you talk about soft on crime. This guy was the lockdown king during the pandemic. But at the same time, you, you, you see case after case after case where his leadership is being called into question. And I think that's where a lot of people are. Uh, Neil, you were talking about how Kathy Hochul's been uh, campaigning on abortion. It's really kind of a double-edged sword for the Democrats and out here as well. Uh, when it came to raising campaign cash, all they had to do after Roe versus Wade was overturned was say, help, your fundamental rights are being thrown away. And they got gobs of campaign cash. But as a campaign issue statistically, unless you're the 18 to 29 voting block, abortion isn't high on your radar. So they used it to get the money, but now that they've got the money and they think they can campaign on that type of stuff, all of a sudden, defund the police is showing back up again. Soft on crime is starting to hurt the Democrats. I don't know. I mean, they, you've got a big enough lead in a place like L.A. County where potentially it's not going to be that damaging. The media, though, has been really calling for him to resign, I mean, flat out. But I think the issue of crime is going to hurt at least one. There will be uh, an October slash November surprise in at least one congressional district and maybe on the state level as well. Now, remember, too, we, we were a Democrat supermajority here. There are 80 state assembly members and 40 state senators, and the current number of state assembly members who are Democrat are 67. You know, I mean, there's, there's wow. an insurmountable odds for those who are in the uh, in the uh, in Sacramento. And as far as the state Senate, it's the same type of ratio. So that a bigger issue for California, other than the federal Congress, would be whether or not some assembly seats and some state Senate seats would flip as a result of crime. And there is that possibility. Is it enough to, you know, like I said, we're going to be a red splash, not a red wave. But uh, the crime issue here, especially in L.A. County, has been a big one. Yeah, boy, it sure has. Uh, and I do have to say also on that uh, on that guy that attacked Paul Pelosi, isn't it amazing, Roger, to see how the liberal left is having such a you know meltdown over this and exploiting this and somehow using this as an example? You got Rob Meathead Reiner saying that Donald Trump should be indicted for this, and I guess I'm just trying to wonder. I'm just wondering if if one of the things that this nutcase said was, "Hey, the 2020 election was stolen." And so, therefore, uh, this is the fault of anybody who questions the legitimacy of the 2020 election. Why in the world don't these same standards apply to Democrats when it comes to the Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots? Because those people were rioting, claiming that there's systemic racism in America and in law enforcement. And you had Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and countless Democrats, Nancy Pelosi and others, uh, reiterating that same lie that America is systemically racist and law enforcement is systemically racist. So I just I find it interesting, Roger, that the liberal left can say all kind of incendiary things and they can be, quote unquote, election deniers, election after election after election. And now suddenly the rules are completely changed when it comes to conservatives voicing their opinions. Well, if you're looking for a red wave surprise, take a look just a little north of where we are here. The whole West Coast, Washington, Oregon, and California has kind of formed their own little you know, union here. They might right. wind up separating at some point. But in the Oregon gubernatorial race, if you caught what's happening here, I mean, people are paying attention in Oregon. They might have a Republican governor for the first time in God knows how, how long. How crazy would that be? Christine Drazon actually is moving ahead of the Democrat and Libertarian independent type person. And uh, Phil, uh, who's it? Phil McKnight, the, the guy who's co-founded Nike, um, actually donated a million dollars to the Gerson campaign. He said, look, the state's going crazy. It's going nuts. I, this is the most sane person running of these three women who are up in this case. I mean, it would be wild if Oregon flipped. But, you know, I, I, right. 
nothing would surprise me. That might be the biggest red wave that California could see is to see that uh, Jerry Brown's uh, sister's uh, replacement as governor. Remember, Oregon was the first state to declare a state of emergency in the pandemic a month before the World Health Organization did. They were already yeah. with hands open, ready for that federal money that was going to come once this disaster that was just kind of sprung upon us that nobody knew about. I mean, talk about a planned spontaneity event. All right. Wow. It would be very interesting to see if Oregon actually flipped. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Now, we've got the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable coming up. In the second half, I'm going to be uh, doing a deep dive into some Michigan politics that we're watching, not just here in Michigan, but obviously around the rest of the country. And then a few other things that we'll talk about regarding the election. And uh, when it comes to listening to the second half of the podcast, if your regular radio station that you're listening to now plays the second half, that's great. If they don't, they probably play it at a different time. So go to the website of your local radio station, look at the program guide, see where the second half is played. Or you could just listen to the second half online by going to CrawfordMediaGroup.net or Apple Podcast Stitcher, tune in wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to watch video of our podcast, you can go to myhopenow.com, and we've got the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast coming up next. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, Bob Duco Show out of Detroit, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York, Roger Marsh of The Bottom Line from California. John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado. John's not with us this week. Looking forward to John being back with us next week. So we're talking about the midterm elections coming up. Uh, guys, let me lay out for you what's happening here in Michigan. Uh, first of all, a lot of people around the country watching the gubernatorial race here in Michigan. Gretchen Whitmer, who has got to go. Okay, well, anyway, Gretchen Whitmer uh, running against the conservative Christian Tudor Dixon. Now, Tudor Dixon was down by like 15, 16 points a little over a month ago. She has now narrowed that gap to where uh, there's a couple of polls that even have her tied, although Real Clear Politics Average has her down as an average 3.6 points right now. It's like, okay, fine. However, Real Clear Politics Average of all of the polls from the 2016, 2018, and 2020 elections have shown Republicans underpolled by, uh, I think it's 4.4. Uh, points on average. So with the polls, uh, what we've seen in the past, you can take whatever they are and add 4.4 points to the Republican. If that's the case, Tudor Dixon is slated to win by a little over a half a percentage point. So it is possible Gretchen Whitmer could be sent packing here in Michigan, which would be great. Uh, we got a couple of other big races. We're watching the Attorney General and Secretary of State races. Our Attorney General here in Michigan, Dana Nessel, is an open lesbian, quote-unquote, married to another woman, and uh, just does not does not run that office right at, at all, the Attorney General's office, uh, rather. She does not run the Attorney General's office right at all. She's got to go. Matt DiPerno's who we're supporting here, who is a big Trump supporter. And then... Uh, Secretary of State is Jocelyn Benson. She's got to go. Running against her, Christina Karamo, who is an African-American lady who's conservative, Christian, actually very strongly, openly Christian. She wears her faith in Jesus Christ openly on her sleeve. Uh, as a matter of fact, she has a college degree in Christian apologetics. And I think I mentioned this last week. She really honored me by letting me know that she's been a fan of my show, listened to it for over 20 years now, and that I was, I guess, one of the inspirations to get her into Christian apologetics. And even on her official campaign website, she's got a picture of her and I together. And so I obviously I'm really, really rooting for my friend, friend Christina for Secretary of State. We'll see. But the big thing we're watching here are these proposals, proposal one, two, and three. Now, I'm a no vote on all three. Proposal two changes election laws in this state to make it very easy for the Democrats to commit fraud, and it puts it in the Constitution as an amendment. Proposal three, Roger, is just like your proposal one out in California. And this is what blows my mind. Roger, I'd love to get your, your take on this too. I don't know if they're using the same kind of lying and deception for Prop 1 in California, but here in Michigan, oh my goodness, the Democrats are lying through their teeth 
Planned Parenthood and the rest of them about Proposal 3. The commercials you see say, a vote for Proposal 3, all that does is restore things in Michigan the way it was under Roe v. Wade, so it grants a right to an abortion, but it still allows restrictions on abortion. Well, I have read repeatedly from my audience the actual verbiage from Article 1, Section 28 of the Michigan Amended Constitution, all 343 words, and you can see in there it says the state may regulate uh, abortion after fetal viability, and that's where everybody on the left stops. There's not a period there. There's a comma. It says provided that, and then it goes on to say, in the professional opinion of a, an attending healthcare professional, in other words, the abortionist, it, and in the opinion of the pregnant individual, in other, word, the in other words, the woman, that her mental health is not infringed upon, which we know allows abortion for anything. So, And then it also says, as long as the pregnant individual is not burdened or hindered in any way regarding her autonomous decision-making. So in other words, you can regulate and restrict abortion after fetal viability as long as the abortion doctor and the woman agree. Uh, and it's so absurd the way that that's written. But you got a lot of moderate centrists in this state that are planning on voting yes for Proposal 3 because they think it merely uh, makes us a pro-choice state. They don't know that it, uh, it, it causes abortion to be legal through all nine months of pregnancy and getting rid of parental consent. And by the way, allowing transgender body mutilation surgery for minors without parental consent or knowledge. That's all woven in to the 343 words of Article 1, Section 28 Constitutional Amendment. But the ballot only has 95 words on it and doesn't explain all the details that are explained in the Constitutional Amendment itself. So even people going to the polls won't know it when they read the ballot. Roger, I got to tell you, I, this is like living in the twilight zone because I have never seen this kind of blatant dishonesty. And can I add one more thing? Our three large counties here in Metro Detroit are Genesee County, Oakland County, and Wayne County, which is Detroit. All three liberal Democrat prosecutors for these three are appearing in the same commercial saying, the other side is lying to you about Proposal 3. Uh, you don't lose restrictions on abortion. You don't lose parental consent. And then they put a, a quote from the actual verbiage, but they make it look like there's a period after that. And they leave out the provided that the abortionist and the woman have to agree. So this is what we're up against. And these are prosecutors by the way, I've invited all three of these prosecutors to come on the show and debate me about the legality of what it actually says, and all three have refused because they know that they're lying. Uh, I know that's a mouthful, but Roger, this is so frustrating because Proposal 3 could pass here in Michigan and totally on a lie. You know what's crazy about that, Bob, is as you were describing it, I mean, we have, unfortunately, a lot of the same legislation has already been signed into law and passed. I mean, Prop 1 uh, is focusing primarily on the abortion aspect of it. But when you talk about the transgender mutilations and, and the parental consent notifications, California is now a destination for one parent who has a dispute with another parent about their child's quote-unquote gender reassignment. And uh, the case of like Jeff Younger with his son James, who's about to be turned into a girl by his whacked-out mother, who's a pediatrician mm. of all things, who lives in yeah. Texas. They moved from Texas to California for the express purpose. She closed her medical practice. So she could come to California and mutilate her son. And that's all legal in California because Governor Newsom sees all sorts of signs. The fact that you put all this into Proposal 3, I mean, the abortion and the mutilation and everything, I mean, that that's a pretty hefty load. But isn't it time for us in the electorate to start speaking out and saying, hey, enough of these 15-word descriptions, 20-word descriptions, even 90-word descriptions that don't include everything and don't explain to the electorate what's going on. I realize that we, the people, have to take responsibility for our own votes and being educated, and I'm grateful. I mean, this is my weekly push for all of our individual programs as well as the National Crawford Roundtable podcast because this, these places like this are fewer and fewer where we're actually having these conversations. But the idea right. that the abortion industry in blue states like all three of ours, and John, of course, in a blue state too, Colorado, how they can get away with this type of stuff. 
and and they've got yeah. a whole electorate that is so uh, highly educated but horribly misinformed. I mean, I say highly educated in air quotes because they've yeah. got tons of college degrees, but they really, you know, it's 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 information they have and wisdom they lack. To paraphrase James Earl Jones, and uh, you know that, that that's the the whole point of this conversation here is to bring to awareness you do realize what you're doing what you're doing is you're giving abortionists and when you said you know the qualified medical professional i just i i i was choking on my breakfast because i thought what what are you talking about qualified do you know how few qualified medical professionals work at abortion clinics and we, how don't, many? Even have the, we don't know the <laughs> word qualified right qualified I mean, is all it says it's a te- and not even the and attending health care uh uh, attendant or whatever, yeah, health well, oh healthcare professional, whatever that is, it could be a dentist. Yeah, right, and it, it could. And you know, I think of Neil. You know, with your, the work that your wife does, I mean, the, the, there are, it's an insult to every person who works at a pregnancy health center, pregnancy right. resource center, crisis pregnancy center, who is an MD, an OBGYN, a nurse practitioner, a, a registered nurse, people who are volunteering their time and are qualified, and yet a bill like Proposition or Proposal 3 says, oh, well, no, no, actually, that teenage girl who's answering the phones is going to supervise the telemed abortion. She's more qualified than your MD or your That's right. That's it's, right. It's, it's yeah. insulting. Because she is an attending healthcare professional. Attending. Oh, All they have to be great. is attending. It's like you have to be kidding. All right, Neil, I want to get your take on this, too. Uh, first, well, though, we, we, we do want to remind everybody, though, that uh, – we need to do more than words, okay? We can take actual action to stop some of these abortions, folks. We really can. And you hear me talking about preborn all the time, and I'm asking right now, once again, will you stop some abortions by giving to preborn? $280 will stop 10 abortions. It's that simple, folks. Remember, even with Roe v. Wade overturned, you still have women getting pregnant, you still have women contemplating abortions, and they can have their mind changed. 83% of women, statistically, 83% of women who see an ultrasound image of their baby for the first time, very first picture they've ever seen of their baby, 83% of the time they choose life, okay? But it takes money to do this. That's what preborn does. They've been doing it for a long time, and they partner with pro-life centers all across the country. So it's this simple, folks. Right now, just go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on the preborn tab, and give whatever you can, okay? If it's $280 to save 10 babies' lives, that'd be great. If it's $2,800 to save 100 babies' lives, that's great. Whatever you can do, it's a tax write-off for you. And 100% of what you give goes right to funding ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. Remember, folks, just the first six months of this year, preborn saved the lives of just under 26,000 babies and there were over 4,600 decisions for Jesus Christ. That's just the first half of 2022. So right now, CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn or donate over the phone 24-7. Call right now, a 833 baby As we continue the National Crawford Roundtable podcast on about the midterm elections, and right now, Proposal 1 out in California, Proposal 3 here in Michigan, uh, which would allow abortion unrestricted through all nine months of pregnancy and how insane it is. And Neil, I want to get your take on this as well. You heard uh, Roger talk about his out in California earlier and my rant about what the dishonesty of what we're facing here in Michigan. The polls are showing Proposal 3 is going to pass here in Michigan, just like Proposal 1 out in California. And this is insane, Neil, because you got a lot of moderate, even slightly pro-choice people that afterward are going to say, I would never have voted yes for this if I had known what this really was. Yeah, it's horrible. And it obviously speaks to the whole issue of media bias and uh, censorship and whatever. I mean, I think people need to be told the truth. And I think law-abiding citizens and Christians and people that care about life ought to do everything they possibly can to do what you're doing every day on your radio show, Bob, and that's get the truth out. But I, I have a question about that. Like, how do these things even get on the ballot in the first place? Who crafts the wording? Are they accountable to voters? Like, how does it work in Michigan? Oh, boy. this. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Here in Michigan, that is a scandal in and of itself, okay? You need a certain number of signatures to be able to make it on the ballot. To, to be able to create a ballot. And so here in Michigan, you had a, a sufficient number of signatures that were collected. However, the signatures themselves were collected by 
even more blatantly dishonest means. Uh, in other words, people run around, the, the pro-abortionites went around door-to-door with some verbiage that was uh, actually different verbiage than actually appears. And then what they also did was the verbiage that would actually appear, they removed all the commas, all the periods, all the spaces to run the words together so that you couldn't even distinguish what it says and made it look like, well, this is just a typo, but, uh, and people are going, well, what is this saying? So that the person on the porch says, oh, here's all it means. It just says that you can still regulate abortion, but abortion will at least be legal in the state of Michigan. So can we get your signature to at least put this on the ballot? Oh, yeah, sure. And so they collected the signatures deceptively. Uh, Pro-lifers took them to court to say, you can't put this on the ballot. And guess what? The judge here in Michigan ruled, yep, that is going to go on the ballot. Who happens to be the judge? The judge is the former attorney for Planned Parenthood, who's now the judge who did not recuse herself and ruled that those signatures are still valid after all. That's how it ended up on the ballot. And it's like, oh my goodness. So I know we got we got corruption in just about every state, but I'm telling you, Neil, I think Michigan is setting a new standard for levels of corruption that the mainstream media won't report. Yeah, it's social engineering on a colossal scale. I mean, think about what's happening here. People are being lied to, coerced into signing things that they think, you know, say the exact opposite and then getting away with it and getting the courts to support them because of what you just described that the people a planned parenthood attorney yeah, how is a judge who was a planned parenthood attorney and by the way still present day donor to planned parenthood how does that judge not have to be forced to recuse themselves yeah, from no a case that there. planned parenthood brought the lawsuit it was planned parenthood that was sued in this they're the ones that were fighting in court against right to life how do you have planned parenthood's attorney sit as a judge that just blows my mind it sure does. Uh, by the way, once if this thing passes, as you expect it might, and God forbid, let's pray about that because yeah. God can work miracles. But if it passes, what does that mean in the end? Okay, what that means is that uh, instantly you have guidance counselors in schools. And, and Roger, you can chime in on this too because you're going to see the same thing in California. A guidance counselor in school can take the 14-year-old girl who's pregnant and talk her into an abortion and drive her to get an abortion and say, shh, we'll keep this a secret from mom and dad. We won't tell them. And if mom and dad do find out, then the 14-year-old or the guidance counselor can say to mom and dad, there's nothing you can do about it because there's no age limit. There's no age put into the constitutional amendment. She is a, quote, pregnant individual, and so you cannot stop her, quote, autonomous decision-making. So you're going to have teenagers that are going to get abortions behind mom and dad's back, and nothing can be done about it. Also, transgenderism. You can have the guidance counselor at school Take that 14-year-old boy to go get his castration surgery, and there's nothing that can be done about that. You can't, you can't deny puberty blockers. You can't deny uh, body mutilation surgery. And mom and dad, even if they find out about it, are powerless to try to stop it. That's what will be going on in the state of Michigan. And Roger, I got news for you. That'll be going on in California, too. You know that better than anybody. Oh, yeah, that law's already passed. I mean, but, but, but Prop 1 then makes this just a free-for-all. And the fact that the, uh, well, I, I can't use this term on Christian broadcasting, but the fact that Governor Newsom is turning this into kind of a Disneyland for this type of tourism, right. abortion, quote-unquote, tourism, a transgender surgery tourism. I mean, they, they tout in their ads, okay, California right now performs about 46,000 legal abortions a year, which is not even close. It's well, I mean, California performs one out of every five legal abortions in the United States right now. And oh, by the way, you know, you're facing this in Michigan, we're facing it in California as well. The, the idea that your abortion laws are under attack. California State Supreme Court approved the so-called constitutional right to abortion in 1969. I mean, California was never going to lose abortion because Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey were overturned. Never, mm -hmm. ever going to happen until you see a mass red wave that takes over the state house in Sacramento. It's not going to happen. So the idea that they put up this straw man argument, your rights are at risk. You you run the risk of no longer having abortion. It's just a bald faced lie. No question about it. But one of the other lies that they tell often and with great passion here in the People's Republic also is that abortion is it's just contraception. I mean, this is what right. we're, we're trying to. Yeah, and it's like, what guys, how many, how many times do we have to break down the word? Contraception means you prevent conception from happening. 
an abortion happens after a baby has been conceived. I mean, that science has been settled, to quote Dr. Fauci. And I don't know why more people on the left don't understand that. I think they just don't want to. And God, please remove the blinders from their eyes, take the corks out of their ears, and help <laughs> them to see what's really going on. I, I'm, I'm with Neil. We're praying for a miracle in Michigan, praying for a miracle in California involving these two proposal propositions. We absolutely. I'll tell you what, we do need this miracle. And in the meantime, while we argue this, while we fight this, let's make sure that we're taking whatever action we can to at least stop abortions, okay? Abortions can be reduced. They can be stopped. Uh, if you've donated to preborn already, folks, thank you. You know what a blessing this is. If you have not given a preborn yet, we're asking you to do that now. Don't forget, it's $280 to stop 10 abortions. That's right, just 280 bucks to stop 10 abortions. And this is done by showing ultrasound images of those babies to expectant moms. That's what preborn does with pro-life pregnancy centers all across the country. But it takes money. It takes your money to make this happen. So it's this simple, folks. Just go online right now to crawfordmediagroup.net and click on the preborn tab and you can give right there. Crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn. Or you can donate over the phone, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable, if you would. And I have to say, there, I know that there are some of you out there that maybe you own a business or maybe God has blessed you financially in your family. If you can afford it, we need some of you out there to give $15,000 to buy an ultrasound machine. If you do that, you know that uh, you're going to be responsible for saving literally thousands and thousands of babies' lives, okay? Stopping thousands of abortions. What a legacy that would be for your family or for your business. So you could do that $15,000 one time. And for everybody else, $280 one time to stop 10 abortions. CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on the preborn tab. We appreciate you folks doing that. As we kind of wind down this National Crawford Roundtable podcast talking about the election coming up. So, Neil, I know we've talked a lot about abortion and these uh, abortion proposals and the dishonesty that's involved here. But I am curious. I'd like to get your opinion. You're a pastor. What do pastors do this Sunday? What should they say from the pulpit? i well, got to remember, it too, the Johnson Amendment of 1954 before the 1954 Johnson Amendment, it was actually pretty common for pastors to talk about politics before elections and even to tell their congregation, here's who we ought to be voting for and not voting for because these are the people that uh, honor God with their policies and these don't. But after 1954, that all stopped. And so now we're so used to pastors never mentioning politics from the pulpit that uh, it seems like somehow it's unseemly for them to do that. But I'd like to get your take as a pastor because if pastors are supposed to instruct us and shepherd us on how we use our money in a God-honoring way, how we use our time in a God-honoring way, how we spend our entertainment in a God-honoring way, why shouldn't they be instructing us on how we use our vote in a God-honoring way? What should pastors be doing this Sunday? Well, I absolutely think they should be addressing the issues for sure. I think they need to stop short of saying exactly how you need to vote in every particular race and exactly who you vote for. And I only say that because I think they're, uh, I, I think God needs to speak to the hearts of people more than anything else. I think that we need to speak truth in love, um, bring the issues to the forefront, not shy away in any way. And, you know, by the way, talk about too little, too late. I, I was reading an article that said that. Democrats are now fearing that maybe they focused on the wrong things, you know, that, that the, the Republicans were right in focusing on crime and issues like the economy as opposed to abortion or, you know, anti-Trumpism, which uh, the Democrats have been focusing on. And now saying maybe it's too late, maybe the Democrats have gone too far down the road on this and they're not going to be able to turn it around. But in the same way, um, you know, to all of a sudden put a heap of information in front of people and say, you need to vote this way on Sunday, but you haven't talked about it the previous 51 weeks or the previous two years since the last election, um, I think is is improper. So bottom line, uh, speak the truth in love, talk boldly and honestly about the things that matter. I mean, some of the stuff we're talking about, like gender mutilation surgery, um, the lack of parental rights, when they start taking your 14-year-old out of school, as you mentioned, Bob, 
you know, for an abortion without your knowledge. And maybe, by the way, that child is injured somehow by a right. surgeon who botches the abortion and then is never able to have children or gets a perforated uterus or something and, and bleeds out. I mean, horrendous stuff with no parental recourse. Talk about it. Let people know these are the kinds of things that are up for, you know, the vote mm-hmm. this year, and especially in in Michigan and California with Prop 1 and Prop 3. No doubt about it. But let me just say this. What comes to mind, Bob, at this late date, um, if, if a pastor all of a sudden is going to decide to say something on Sunday, I think we need to be remembering Jehoshaphat and the people of God surrounded by the Ammonites, Jebusites, uh, and Meonites moving in on three different rogue nations coming to attack them and destroy them. And people of God are like, uh-oh, what do we do? I mean, we're not prepared for this. We're not armed for war. So they formed a choir and they began to sing. They sought the Lord. They went before him uh, in prayer and fasting and singing. And am I off base here to say that we should be calling on the name of the Lord to help in these things? Because I think that some of the stuff you're talking about, like like what's going on in Michigan right now, Bob, is of demonic level. This isn't like, mm-hmm. oh, we, is. need better, we need better politics. No, we need the Lord Jesus Christ himself to raise up a standard against the enemy. And of course, he's able to do so because he's the victorious right. risen Lord. So I say, let's get on our knees. Let's pray because prayer works or we don't believe it does if mm-hmm. we're not going to pray. And fasting works. And let's go before the Lord and ask him to do what only God can do. Yeah. And you know, and, and sure. And, and by the way, and I would completely agree with you. I would say, and, and also, and I, I mean, I, I, you know, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We Absolutely. can, we can petition sure. the Lord. We can get on our knees. And at the same time, we can exercise our responsibilities as Americans and as Christians to use our vote in a God honoring way. Uh, Roger, Let me just add one more thing. Okay. Because. And just right. so you know, we only have 90 seconds left. Oh, you're hundred percent right. But because we don't, merely wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood but, blood, but against principalities and powers. Right. We absolutely need to do both. Go ahead. Sorry. Roger, uh, last 60 seconds. You're a pastor also. Uh, there's pastors out in California that are you know pretty bold about uh, they're, they're, you know John MacArthur, Jack Hibbs or some. How do pastors draw that line? What, did, what advice would you give in our last, and believe it or not, we only actually have about 30 seconds left. So <laughs> fix it all in 30 seconds. <laughs> sure, no problem. Pray without ceasing first and yes. foremost. I mean, so you have to talk about the issues that are germane to the culture. Also understand, too, there there's hypocrisy everywhere. There will be politicians in the pulpit at First Amity Church in LA, LA this Sunday saying, go and vote. And if the IRS says that's not right, then you're breaking the law. But we want to be respecters of the law, but also we have to, first and foremost, do what is pleasing to God. Get the mm-hmm. word out, pray without ceasing, and expect God to deliver us from the things that he's going to deliver us from. And Amen. be prepared to accept the things that uh, God has for us, because the church is going to thrive and prosper regardless of the outcome of the election. You're right. And nothing changes the fact that Jesus Christ is still Lord. God is still yeah. on his throne. Amen. And as I said countless times, and I'll close it out with this, I hope the election goes a certain way, but my hope is not in the election going a certain way. Amen. And we need well, to recognize the difference between those two. Uh, all right, uh, folks, we always appreciate you listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Don't forget, you can listen online to at crawfordmediagroup.net to previous podcasts or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to them. We appreciate your five-star reviews. You can watch video of this podcast at myhopenow.com. And uh, John Rush, we look forward to him being back with us next week. Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco. Guys, always great catching up. Thanks a lot. Uh, look forward, Next week, we'll have kind of a, uh, a recap of what happened on Tuesday night. Uh, we'll see what we learn then. See you next week, guys. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Thanks. You bet. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. A view of today's culture through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn. Saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the preborn logo to save babies now. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app and look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.